Welcome to the Bifocal Podcast with John White and Jason Himmelstein, where we talk about business intelligence and the Microsoft stack with news, interviews, and expert opinions from around the space. This is episode 257, recorded on May 3rd, 2023, where John and Jason talk to Rui Romano, Principal Program Manager for Power BI at Microsoft, about the upcoming advancements to, for developers using Power BI Developer Mode. Well, good morning, Jason. How are you today? John, I am fantastic. Life is really, really good right now. I'm thrilled to be where I am and not where you are at the moment, which is even better. Things here in Texas are going pretty darn well, keeping busy with kids and all that fun stuff. But uh, we're getting an opportunity to record some episodes that are going to go out after build. So in all transparency, you know, John, you're in Las Vegas right now and it's stupid early where you are. Not, it's a little early, but that's okay. That's okay. It's not quite that's as bad as when you're in Hawaii, though, you know, and the correct. weather's not as good. So, you know, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, 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 I'll definitely take it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, back here in Vegas. It feels like I just left. It was really just a few months ago that I was last here. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going home today, so I'm happy about that. Let's That's awesome. That well, you're there because uh, the M365 Conf is going on. They did a ton of announcements yesterday, which is awesome. All sorts of great new stuff like Brand Central and all the, the co-pilot things that have now, uh, by the time this podcast launches, been out there for a little while. So if you have not read up on those things, go off and do that if you're a collab person. But John, we're wildly excited uh, to be able to have a guest on this podcast to talk about something that is maybe a little bit different for our audience, but something that people who listen to this are probably going to be pretty interested in, because I know that we do have some developers who listen to this podcast when it comes to the Power BI side of the world. And I'm very, very excited to get to introduce my former teammate and dear friend, Rui, who is joining us, who has moved teams. And I'm going to let Rui introduce himself and say what he's doing for a living these days. Welcome to the show, Rui. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Hi, everyone. My name is Rui. I'm a product manager on the Power BI team, where I focus mostly on developer experiences. So everything around desktop and source control experiences, what we call Power BI desktop developer mode, Tindall, the new tabular model, the Phoenician language that I'm really, really excited about. It will change the way we look and we work on tabular models. Bring our own analytics. That's also something that is very, very close to, to developers and also to, to for monitoring purposes. And, uh, and yeah, so I'm a fan of your of your show, and it's always it's a pre- a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you, buddy. And for those of you who are looking to go off and and Bing and Google for what Timdl is, it is TMDL, the tabular definition. Uh, tabular model definition language, because I I keep inverting letters on this. And I know lots of other people have this. Well, because it's so brand new, it is... it's very cool stuff, and we're excited to hear more about it. But at Build, we get to make all of these awesome announcements. And I will say that this one is one that I have been personally looking forward to for a very long time. Back when I was uh, you know, working at EY, I ran a team of developers for Power BI. And this was stuff that we desperately, desperately wanted. So kudos to you and the team for bringing this to us. I know some of this stuff, people need to go off and, and take a look at, at the blog posts that have come out around Build and all of that. Because some of these things are are hitting now, and some of the things that we're talking about are going to be hitting later on in June. So for folks who are listening, if you go, oh, is it there now? Go take a look. I know you're going to go through uh, some of that stuff. But we'll put notes in the show notes. We'll put links to all the different blog posts and stuff like that about this topic. But John, you looked like you had something you wanted to say there too. 
Oh, no, I'm just, just saying it's, it really just kind of throws out the, oh, the Power BI developer, oh, Tim Dill, oh, bring your own analytics. <laughs> These are all huge items we can drill right into. These are things my team has been waiting for, and certainly the first team have been waiting for for years, quite literally years, and you're going to solve a number of problems. I, I just can't wait to get into this. This is, this is great. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Before joining Microsoft, I, I was a Power BI developer myself, and I was also an MVP. I remember asking almost exactly for this, like five years ago, asking, yeah. okay, why don't we save to a folder and work on files instead of a single file? Now that I'm, I'm on, that, on the other side of the curtain, I know that's not that easy. It's it's, it, it, it involves a lot of work. It's, it's a lot of changes need to be done to, to make this happen. But I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about this. I, I think that this will, I think, no, I know that this will change the way, especially pro devs and pro BI developers working in Power BI and working in teams, the way they work, uh, it will it will change because now you can actually have co-development using Power BI desktop, which is a big deal. So you can have developer A working on one page of the report and developer B working on the data set and developer C working on both and developer D reviewing everything that the other developers have done. And this is huge, especially for professional enterprise customers and developer teams. It's a, it's a huge step, despite looking so simple, because <laughs> honestly, Power BI developer mode, it's just, and I will put double quotes in the just, saving the contents into a folder. That's sure. all it's doing. Sure. Yeah, as opposed to a compressed file, really. But yeah. uh, obviously, you know, that, that opens up a can of But it's so welcome. And I can tell you, as, as so without going into too many details, our company uses Power BI as a delivery mechanism. Essentially, it's it, to a large degree, um, Power BI, PBIX files are our deli the delivery mechanism for our products. And we've got a whole other bunch of things going on behind the hood and we've got all kinds of source control going for that stuff and all the right git tools and running etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know what we use for version management for power bi desktop OneDrive. yes that's right <laughs> we rely on OneDrive for doing that and that's obviously because we haven't had to get we we did play in the day with um you know dehydrating or taking the data out of the pbix file and saving that off and using git for that but it didn't really give us much utility the tooling wasn't there so we just kind of fell back on that so as you say i mean the developer mode is really just breaking that file open putting things in folders and git talks to folders so you immediately get uh, some of the benefit of the version control etc for git but uh i mean i am curious as what maybe what, what what are some of the obstacles you've had to deal with in moving to this model, having, I guess, Power BI desktop natively work with the folder instead of the file? Yeah, the, the, the first one that kept a couple of challenges, but the biggest one, the one that the, the engineers have been working over and over to make it as smooth as possible is what we call internally the desktop hardening. So, and desktop hardening is, so we support a certain amount of properties that is going to be significantly is extended by when we release developer mode that the, the properties and the objects that we allow you to edit outside of desktop. And before this was a single file that no one should be messing around, should be changing anything inside. So, but now it will be a folder 
that everyone can see all its content. So a lot of work have been done into making this folder way more friendly because it's not the same as the PBIX was. So we, we actually change the folders and the, and the files. We make it make files simpler and more readable and also more understandable to the user. But we also need to support any change that you make in those files. We need to, I won't say support every kind of change, because if you go to a JSON file that sits behind of, the, of this folder and you do a bad edit, that will break. But desktop cannot break like uh, and throw strange errors. It should say, hey, you have a problem in this file. Go mm. and fix it. Because you are the developer, you made the change, so you need to fix it. So a lot of work have been done around this, what we call the desktop ordering. So it's it won't probably be some this name. It's not going. It's not going to be on the documentation. Probably, it's an internal name. There are some blog posts. I remember one from Matthew Roche from the CAT team talking about this. But it's basically supporting. So ordering is basically just supporting changes outside of desktop. So if you make a change with an external tool that before developer mode to use an external tool, the, the external tool was connected to the, the analysis services engine in the desktop. Now the ordering it's, it's against the files directly because you can go to a file and you can make a change, which is awesome because I can, I'm sure that you can think of a ton of possibilities that this opens, like uh, generation of content, like batch edits, like uh, a lot of things can happen. But of course, that we will, uh, we won't support any kind of change to the files. There will be still be some limitations, but these limitations will be greatly extended to the types of objects and properties that you can change. It opens a, another question, I suppose, is would you see a future with some kind of, I don't know, API that let you work with the files in a safe way or in an ordained way, guardrails or some tooling maybe that that uh, that supported doing non-desktop or people could build their own desktop almost. I mean, with that capability that, that would, would for specific use cases. I mean, I, I just, the possibilities seem endless. This will be a journey, okay? And we mm -hmm. are starting by opening the PBIX. So now it's a folder and it's files and it's all text, textual files. So no binary files. So you can look into this file, the files, and you can, you can understand the content of these files. I'd say that this is step one. As part of step one, we will also release schemas for each file. And the schema will let you know for each file, it, it will be kind of, a, of an API because yeah. it will let you know which properties you can change and which properties exist for each file. Now, about the API, we can in a way say that this is a, yeah. this is a public API. Yeah. If we document the files, if we publicly document the schemas, we are saying that, okay, if you change the file and you, you, and you respect the schema, you are fine. Now, there are already some APIs. For the data sets, you already have an API. It's called Tabular Ob Object Model. So, and the Tabular Object Model can read the, the data set definition behind the, on the folder and you can interact with it. You can generate content, you can manipulate it, you can, you can have a script or an application. And that's what Tabular Editor does. So Tabular Editor and with developer mode that will be working on the folder can just open the Tabular Model definition and make edits to it. And it will use that API. 
And to everyone or to, to every developer that I talk about and we, I show dev mode and we show dev mode, there is always this question. Okay, data sets, that's fine. And okay, great. But what about reports? And on the report side, that's where we don't have an API. And at the public preview, we won't have a public schema for the reports. And the reason is because we are, and we are, I cannot share any timelines on that. It will also be a journey, but I do hope that by GA, we, by GA of developer mode, we will also have a schema for the report. We will also have like a public API for the report. But let, let me rephrase that. The API, I don't mean like a, tab, a report yeah. object mode. If that will happen, I hope so. I think it, it makes a ton of sense, but it will be a journey. So we will start by exposing the files. We will start by documenting all this, those files. We already have some API. We already have an API for the data set. And if you ask me, it makes a ton of sense to also have an API for the reports. But one thing about the product team is it's not about what the PM wants to do. It's, it's all about what the customers want, what the, the community wants. So the API, especially the, the data set API is a long ask. And also the PBA, the Power BI desktop API, it's a, it's something that I remember when it wasn't even named Power BI and there was already a, <laughs> someone asking about this. And uh, it will happen. I'm not sure if it will be something in the next month or so. Not, probably not. The, the actual SDK, but the exposure of the files and the public documentation, certainly. That's what we have been hardly working to, to make it happen as soon as we can. Totally pumped about this. I, the, I just, the possibilities are endless. I am curious, you, you mentioned data set a couple of times and that there's no binary in the folder, but presumably the data set's going to be a binary and that would be the only thing. Would that be right? So you mean the data of the data set? Yeah, right? I do. The, the data cache itself, <laughs> not the definition. This is so much fun for me, by the way. I'm I'm just sitting here eating a little bit of popcorn. Listening, this, this hopefully our audience is loving this as much as I am. But I'm I'm just going to keep shutting up and letting y'all go. By the way, I'm still here, folks. But yeah, this is so much fun. Keep going. Did you tell I care about this feature. Yeah. <laughs> and glad that you asked that because that's another thing that changed. Is we completely separated the data from the definition. So. When you save to a folder, when you go, and the workflow is basically like this. So you can start a Power BI development or you can open a PBIX file that you already have and you go and save as and you select Power BI project files. And when you select, and you select a folder and when you select that folder, that will save two folders and one file that is a PBIP. So the two folders is one folder for the data set, one folder for the report, and the PBIP file is just a shortcut. It's just something that will allow you to open desktop again. But desktop, when you save into that folder and you, let's say you close desktop and you reopen, you are actually editing the report, but the data set at the same time. But if you initialize a Git repo at that moment, there will be a Git ignore that will basically force you or it will, you can override that if you want, but by default, it will, everything that will go into Git, it will be the definition files, not the data. So the data 
it's going to be a file, a binary file. So you are correct. It will be a binary file, but it's a local binary file. So what this means is, let's say we are two developers working on the same team and I start a Power BI project. I create my, I save my PBIP, I do my work and I initialize a Git repo and I share that Git, Git repo with you. And you go to Git and you clone that Git repo into your machine. When you do the clone, you will only get the definition files. And another thing that changed is the definition files always win. So let's say, because the, the binary file, the data of the data set, it's, a, it's an ABF file. An ABF, mm -hmm. for those of you who are... Who are analysis services, right? Yeah. Analysis services backup file. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, it has the model and the data, but the model within the ABF file, it's not important. So it's going to be overwritten by the model that exists in the in the definition file in the definition. I'll let you maintain compatibility. Yeah, exactly. And if both, let's say, you clone the repo, you will open Power BI Desktop instantly because there is no data, and the entire report it won't be in an error state, but it will be in a no data state, and you can refresh it on your own. Yeah. And now you ask me. Okay, but what if I refresh and I create a new table that the other developer doesn't have? That's fine. That will exist in, a, in your local dataset cache. It won't exist in my local dataset cache. But when I get your version, I, can, I will see that new table because it's part of the definition, but it will be an empty table. And, yeah. and this is something that, that also gave a lot of work for the developer. So... Uh, by the way, I'm really, really thankful because I'm the PM. I'm, I'm showing these things, but I'm not the guy actually putting the work into into the code. So they made they made an amazing job. And one of the things that they did was they also made Power BI Desktop smart enough to understand if a single table doesn't have data, it will only refresh that data. So when I get let's say, as I told you, you add a new table on your data set. I don't mm -hmm. have that new that that new table. I will be when I do a git a git synchronization. I will see the new table, but empty. And I when I hit refresh, it will only refresh the new table, not the whole model. And this is great because, especially if you consider large data sets with a lot of data, a, a full refresh might be a few hours or it might be a, 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 a lot of time. So we, we try to make, make the experience of the, let's say, the merging between your local cache and the model definition as smooth as possible. Very, very, very cool. This episode of the Bifocal Podcast is sponsored by Tigraph, the award-winning reporting and analytics platform for Office 365. Get the full picture of your Office 365 network by using Tigraph. See how customers leverage its actionable insights to better understand their organization's usage, collaboration, and adoption patterns. Try Tigraph today. Sign up for a free trial at tigraph.com. I got to drill on one more of something you said. I just caught you saying because you said when you're creating this project folder, you said that the data set and the reports, there was an S there. And I'm not used to having multiple reports in a single PBIX file. That sounds like that's something we'll be, able, we'll be able to generate direct connected reports directly within that project. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually one of the, um, 
how do I say this? Uh, uh, missing the word in English. One of the uh, one of the hidden gems of the yeah. whole thing. It's actually actually not. It doesn't get a lot a, a lot of publicity because a Power BI desktop only it's uh, only one report and one data set. So you cannot work in multiple reports at the same time. Right. But the two folders. You have one folder for the report, one folder for the dataset. The folder from the report has a local reference to the folder of the dataset. So you can have three, four reports all connected to the same dataset. And uh, I don't know if this reminds you something. This is exactly the same mental model you have in the service. So on the yeah. service, so yeah. but when you today, so before developer mode. If you publish a PBIX to the service, you will get two things. You'll get the data set, you can get the report. What we want to do with developer mode and also with Git integration is to allow you locally to have the exact same mental model you have in the service. You have one folder for the data set, one folder for the report, and they are completely separated. And you can reference, and they, and they have a reference between them. And that reference is local. So this means that finally, because, and I say this finally, this finally will allow you as a developer to have locally, without having a, a, to connect to a service and having a, an intermediate data set to have multiple reports completely separated from the data set, all connected to the same data set. And you can just open the report, work on it, and have multiple reports opening at, open it at the same time and without having to duplicate the, multi, the data multiple times because it's all, if you open, let's say, three instances of Power BI desktop from the reports, so you, 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 you go to the report folder and you open the report, they will be all connected to the same data set. Right. It's and a mind-blown make... kind of a moment there because yeah. the amount of time that it, say, it, it saves, the amount of storage that it saves, it's huge. And the fact that we can now replicate the way that we live in the service with this, to me, is is, is fantastic. I'm a big fan. Everything you've talked about so far is absolutely huge. And all of this stuff has been... You know, so when I joined Microsoft, it's been just over a year ago, I remember coming in and Christian, I, you, you were in town because all the cats got together. Back then, you were on the cat team with us, right? We finally got to meet, which was awesome because I've known about you for, for a really long time. But we finally got to meet and we were sitting in that room when Christian told us that he got developer mode funded, right? That they'd been working on the concept, but you know, finally, we were actually going to get to start working on this. And it is so cool to see just a, a year later, that this is now coming to fruition with the public preview. Again, public preview. This is not the finalized thing. This is the public preview that we want people to get out there and start using and treating, beating it up, giving us the feedback, right? Because to your point, that's how things change at Microsoft is getting that feedback. And one of the things I'm curious about is, do you have a preferred feedback mechanism Right. We were talking uh, recently. We had uh, Rosie on the show. We had Emily on the show, who are also PMs over on the creator side of the house. Is there a mechanism that you're looking for people to give you feedback in? What's the best way for people to give feedback on this? Is it ideas.powerbi.com? Is there a different mechanism that you're looking for in the community? How is that best done to make sure that we hear from the community? Not just through a rant on Twitter, which occasionally does happen too, right? But what's the best mechanism for people to give feedback? The best mechanism is still the ideas. It is something that the BMs and also whenever we want to, let's say, whenever we think or we have a feature that came from the community that 
that is new, we always resort, okay, who is asking for this? And we need to have what we call the ammunition to justify that feature. One more time, it's not just because I think that feature, it's going to be awesome. It's okay, I think that feature is going to be awesome. And I have this ideas with hundreds of votes from a lot of customers, from a lot of MVPs, from a lot of developers. We should always promote that. Because that's something that, that at the product team, we do care a, a lot. Then to, to reach to me, I, I usually, I, I try to be very open. So I, I'm not a very, a very active on Twitter, but I'm, I try to be, or at least I go there many, many times on LinkedIn. So whenever someone asks me or brings me uh, an idea or, or asks me about something, I always try to, to reply whenever possible. But definitely whenever someone has some feedback on a feature or something that doesn't exist, the first stop should be the ideas because we create that content and we we actually, every time we plan to actually do the feature, we go there and we change the status. Okay, this is something that we are planning. We read the comments and we make sure that uh, we are going to deliver what, what, is going, what, what is being asked there. I got to keep geeking out just a little bit. Presumably, we've got this same model locally now that we have in the service. And that brings up yet another question, of course, is, well, wait a minute. If we, have, if, we can, if we can put Git integration in the service on the workspace level, and you've got the same Git integrated to the project, can a project relate to a workspace in the service? And then maybe that's one way. You know, I'm not saying you replace the publish mechanism from Power BI Desktop, but you maybe do a check-in and a pull request to the service and then hit refresh in the service. And that's another way to just keep that up to date. Presumably, I mean, you might even get to a point where your Git is the service. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just riffing now. <laughs> You're opening possibilities. Yeah. So I'm glad that you asked that because it's, it is something that it's a significant change and it has pros and cons. Okay. The pro is with the Git integration. So if you have a workspace connected to Git and you have your Power BI desktop saving to a folder that is also connected to Git, this means that you don't, you no longer need APIs to publish stuff. What you, you just need to synchronize into Git. So your local mm. development synchronize, synchronizes into Git. And somehow, let's say automatically, it will show up in the workspace and you don't need to do anything. And you have a Git in the middle. So you can have improvement workflow flows with pull requests. You can have reviewers. You can have, you have version control. So whenever every change that you do, it will be version. So you can roll back things. You can, so a ton of, pos of new possibilities opening in here. That's a good thing. And by the way, one thing that I didn't mention is you can also go the other way around. So you can, if you, mm. if you create a workspace, and you do the Git integration and, and this will probably blow your mind, and you upload a PBIX, that PBIX will be deconstructed into a data set and a report folder and it will go to Git. And then you can open the, that report and data set in Power BI desktop. So you can go from the service to the desktop and then go back again from the desktop to the service. Which is awesome. <laughs> for, for those of you playing the podcast game, John wow. just like uh, sort of did the the walk away from the mic, hands in the air, <laughs> mind blown kind of a look thing. So it, it's so funny you talk about the de deconstruction, and I've always tried to explain the service as working that way, right? Exactly. This gets pulled apart and put that way. 
to see it actually doing that is kind of wow. And then this with this whole end to end back and forth, it's, and we've never had version control in the service. You republish your report, exactly. that, that's not well. Exactly. Look, we get it's this is outstanding. I'm, I'm, I'm this is this is where I say that. This is where it, I say that this is not only for the pro developer. So the, the, ed, the edits from the service, they will be for the citizen developer with a big, big, big plus. Everything will be source control and versions. So every change that the citizen developer does, it doesn't need to care about Git, but every change that it does, it do, it will go into Git and it will be version controls. But this will also allow, which is something that I, I think, I think you know, I, I, it is a very good thing, is a citizen developer can start working on the report, he can do the best that he can, and then the pro developer, okay, I want to take that report from the citizen developer and I want to apply the, the theme, I want to apply the, all the, the best practices, I can continue my work in the full the high fidelity tool that is part of the desktop. So this will also open that possibility. It solves another problem that we've had for a very long time, depending on how things happen. We're, we're seeing that it could come back on us because we've always used Power BI Desktop to do edits you know, up until very recently. But now the ability to go in and make changes in the web, and that's becoming more and more full fidelity. Then the question is, where's the thought, right? Because then you know the, the original developer publishes, makes changes to the local report, publishes and it stomps all over any changes that the that a web editor made. You had this problem back in SSRS, right? Reporting services, you had the ability to edit reports in the web, but you still had the uh, the the original web create or the report creation tool that could that was a publish model. So publish, 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 edit, 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 publish blows away the edits. Now it just doesn't matter. So this solves that problem too. So you, you, you're solving a problem you, you would have had otherwise. Let's put it that way. Exactly. And because it's Git, so if there is a, a conflict, it, Git will will handle that for you. So Git yep. will be the responsible if, if two developers, if two citizen developers working on the same report, they edit the same visual, then there will be a conflict and someone can... Even if it's not a citizen developer, that one more time, he might not even know how to handle Git merges, but there might be someone that is the workspace admin, for example, that knows about Git and it, it will receive that Git conflict and, uh, and, and it will be able to, to merge it or choose between, okay, which version do I want to keep? And if the both developers, they are working on different pages or different visuals, he can even do the merge and keep both both edits. But definitely this will, this will open that, that possibility of editing in the web and then going go, starting on the web or starting on desktop and and jump between both both tools. So the the mental model here is having the same thing you have with Office. So you can work in Office online. You can mm -hmm. make a work on the on your PowerPoint presentation online. And but if you want, you can also open it in desktop and jump between between the two. And this is actually pretty useful. I don't know about how you use this, but uh, I normally, whenever I'm starting something new, I start with a, in the desktop, a desktop application, just because it's a high fidelity tool. It's it's faster. I can work locally. But if I want to do a minor adjustment, nothing beats like going into the web and making that change. And and with this, even the pro devs, I think they will also use the web experience a lot 
But now, and this is this is a big, big thing is, but now if they do the web change and they do a commit to Git, it will be all centralized in the Git. So, and they know that they can go come back to desktop and, and resume that work without having to do what they, they have been done, doing before. So let's say before this, if they wanted to change, do let's say I just I just want to change the background of a of a cart. They didn't do it in the web because the web was the final publish, and there was no Git in the middle. So they were okay. I, this is just a small edit, but I need to do it in desktop because I want this to go to Git and and follow the deployment pipeline. Now let's it doesn't matter because he can go to the web, make the change, do a Git commit. And he knows that it, the Git will be the master. It will be the, the source of truth. So they can make the change. And, and, and tomorrow, when he's back at the laptop, <laughs> he might make the change on a, on a, on a tablet if he wants. But when, he, when he's back on the laptop, he just needs to do the Git sync and the, the, the change will be there. Are you drowning in spreadsheets? Are you gasping for a better reporting solution? Let Marquee Insights throw you a lifeline. They can help you chart a course to success with Power BI, then get underway quickly with one of their quick start solutions while learning the ropes from their experienced staff. If you're ready for reporting bliss, go to marqueeinsights.com and click the Get Started button and learn how they can help you make better, faster decisions with smarter data. So I want to point something out because I think it's important for our listeners who all of this is going to be relatively new to, right? With the new desktop developer mode, that's one modality of working. The web version of the Git functionality is a different modality of working. Mm -hmm. The two work together seamlessly based upon the way that you've just described it. However, if you are working in developer mode and you have not enabled Git enabled your workspace, in the service, then this is you're going to look at it and go, why isn't this just working? Well, because you have to go in. There is some work to be done in the service to go and turn on the Git commit capability, the Git sync, all of that in order to make that work. That is a different set of functionality that you will have to go follow through and follow up on. And hopefully we'll be able to get Nimrod on here to come and talk about that functionality as well. Because Rui, I'm not going to try and make you talk about, even though you work so closely together with Nimrod, I'm not going to try and get you because we're taking up a lot of your time here to get you to talk about all of that and how all of that works in the background as well. You've done an amazing job of giving us a primer into it. But for those folks who are at home and you're trying to figure this out, why why am I not seeing this you know, circular world? That's why you need to go in. And there are some caveats to it. There are some things that you have to do in order to make that work and some new features that you may have to be stepping into. So without going into any more detail, I just wanted to give that uh, primer and caveat to our audience as you're starting to take a look at this. However, as you are playing with this, you can do all of what we're talking about with uh, desktop developer mode once that actually drops in in June and start to play with it with Git and work locally and then sync into a Git repo. Now, really, I get this question regularly because in our world, there are a couple of different Gits, right? We have both GitHub and we have Azure DevOps. Does this work with both? Does it only work with one? Where do people go if they're trying to get set up and synced into this? Before answering, answering that question, I just want to say one thing is that developer mode, desktop and developer mode and the service Git integration, they are, they are, as you say, two completely different features and they can live without each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, sir. So you can have, let's say you don't, you don't want to do use the Git integration into the service, into the workspace. You can still use developer mode, 
and just to have co-development. And if you do that, now answering your question, you can use whatever Git tool you want, local Git, GitHub, Azure DevOps, whatever, because you are not going to do the Git integration, or you are not going to do the service Git integration. You will do Git integration for the local development. So we are two developers because, and we we are going to work, I'm going to work in my folder, you are going to work in your folder. We are going to leverage developer mode to save into that folder. And we are going to use GitHub to source control our developments and we will both sync into Git. So, and we won't leave desktop. And every time we sync, we reopen desktop and the latest changes will be there. So if you want to use the service Git integration, that's different. If you want to use the service Git integration, then for the public preview, and Nimrod will certainly share more details on that, for the public preview, only Azure DevOps will be supported. We do, and I know that we do have plans for at least GitHub, but for the public review, only Asia DevOps. All right. Thank you very much. That I think we'll clear up a lot for folks out there as they're starting to play with this. Interesting. But I, I, I want to emphasize that, that if you are a developer working on a team and you want to just have co-development, like you, you, yeah. you don't want to do what John said in the beginning, saving into OneDrive, that... For God's sake, it's not good. It's not. It's, I, I know that this was what we had before. At least you can stop doing that, and you can have whatever Git tool you want to just save the, the developments of desktop into your favorite Git tool, and uh, and you will you can have the code development a much better code development experience. Not that yeah, uh, the time is not good. It was good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but we're glad we had that. This is so much better. And there will be scenarios where you don't want to have the dev of the project synced with a particular workspace. It'll be meant for wider distribution, right? So that, that that makes complete sense that you're taking that approach. And we haven't even talked about one of the other things right off the, right off the top, which is the, the whole concept of Tyndall. That the the separation, I guess, of the of the structure of the data set from the data. That's really what you're referring to there. Is that Timdal? You want to dive into a little bit? I know we don't probably have much time left, but uh, you want to dive into that just a little bit. The Timdal is not the separation of the data okay. and, the, and the model. So Timdal is an evolution of Timsel, Tabular Model Scripting Language. So if you before Tyndall, and actually for the public preview of developer mode, it will still be Tinsel. There will okay. be a file in developer mode when you save to a folder that is called the model.bim. And the yep. model.bim is the JSON file. It's a single file, JSON file in JSON format. And it's using the, the format what called tabular model scripting language, Tinsel. So, but it's JSON. And it has... It's a good format, but one problem that the tabular models have is that they have inside the, the JSON, we have other languages like the, the M language and the DAX language. And those languages, they can have new lines, they can have double quotes. And one of the problems, I'm saying this to like tell you the history about Timdall and why we created a new definition language. One of the problems in that is is escaping that content. So you could not 
this is one of the main goals that we have with developer mode and also with Tindall is to allow you, if you want to update a DAX measure, if you want to copy a DAX measure or a Power Query code from another data set, you can just do a copy-paste. Open both with Notepad, Visual Studio Code, copy and paste, and you, and you are done. If you want to do that in, in JSON, it's not that you cannot do it, but it will be very, very painful because you need to escape things. Even in a new line, if you look at the, the model BIM file, you will see that every new line, it's a, a double, it's between double quotes and a lot of escapes there. In Tyndall, that's why we decided to, and the, the default definition language going into the future, and by the GA of developer mode, that should be, don't mind me to the dates, but it should be end of the year, hopefully. The default tabular model language, it won't be Tinsel and it will be Tindal. So it will change. The only thing that we are changing is instead of representing the tabular model in a, a single JSON file, we will represent the tabular model in a folder. First big change, it's not going to be a single file, it's going to be multiple right. files. One file per table, one file per role, one file for the relationships, one file for the model properties, which is very good because this will also make the merge conflicts in Git a yeah. lot easier. So if both developers are working in two different tables, they will be working on two completely different files. So it will be a lot, lot easier to do the merge conflicts. But another, another big uh, plus of Tyndall is the readability. If you look into JSON, it, it, readability and Forgive me if this is not the right English. Editability, oh, no. readability, and editability—they are much, much, much better in Timdal versus Timsel. Why? So readability—you are going to look into a file with no escape. So it's a, the, it borrows some of the grammar syntax from YAML. Yes, it's going to use indentation, which some people don't like but it's much it's much much better to read so you don't need to open and close you don't need to escape so that the, the code is just there and also editability if you want to just copy and paste a big yeah. that's measure you just need to copy and paste and remove all the lines and that's good to go and the last one that it's it's i already mentioned it the collaboration so the merge conflicts it will be much much easier and now think another thing, reusability. You can copy one table to another between data sets by just copying the file and you are good to go. You don't need to edit files. You you, let's say you want to reuse one table between two data sets. You go to the folder of data set one, you oh. copy the table and you paste it. And the deserialization from Tyndall into Tom that will be made by developer mode and desktop will just load that new table for you, which is, uh, which is amazing. Again, for those people playing the podcast game, the look on John's face when this just clicked for him is absolutely epic. One of my favorite I, things I've seen all week. <laughs> I can just see, well, what you're saying, the, the whole copy and paste of a table, you just create a whole area, library of assets in your Power BI service for reusability, just that, right? With all of those, oh man, it just, all your favorite transforms in one spot. I mean, there's other ways to do that, but that that would be a very interesting, interesting yeah. way to exploit that. That's down obviously way down the road. Uh, it opens so, up so all these possibilities. You can use Tyndall today, even before the integration with developer mode. But 
you cannot, so desktop won't edit and save Tindle. It will still edit and save Tinsel into the model BIM file, but that's one of the features that we are actively working and prioritizing, and the default will be Tindle. So we just wanted to release Tindle ahead of time, and yeah. this was also a lot of work, a great contribution from Matthias Thierbeck as part of the Power BI community program. We wanted to release this because it's also a good way for us to get the feedback to let everyone that wants to play with Tindle and see uh, the Tindle representation of their datasets, they can do it. And Tablet Editor today already supports editing and saving into Tindle. So if you want, if, if and, and there are a, a, a lot of uh, Power BI developers, mostly advanced Power BI developers, that they, they do the entire model development in tablet editor and if you are in one of those case in one if you are in one of those scenarios you can actually use Tindle today and you don't need to wait for the power bi desktop developer mode to save into Tindle. but i want to leave this very clear that this is what we are going to do so develop power bi desktop will support fully Tindle, and it will be the default and also the service so if you create a data set in the service and you do the Git integration, the export to Git will also be Tindle. Okay. It's not very That's often question, that John is speechless, and I yeah, nailed it there, Rui. So with that, I do want to be respectful of Rui's time. Yeah. And I think it's time that we should probably start thinking about wrapping up here. Rui, I normally ask people, what are you wildly excited about? Uh, what has you excited for the future? I think I already know the answer to the question from you, my friend. I can tell you I'm just crazy excited about this. I'm super, uh, you know, personally, the areas of interest that I have in Power BI, it's awesome to get to see former CAT team members really driving those areas. You with this one, Miguel with the visuals, Lauren over doing some of the cool stuff over with SharePoint and OneDrive. It's awesome to get to see our team as people move on to go do awesome stuff and to see this, man. Great work. It's so exciting to get to see. Thank you very much for coming on talking to us about this. And we'll look forward to hopefully having you back after GA to tell us more about all the cool stuff people can do. This is really exciting. Yeah, thank you. It was so great, great conversation. I had a blast talking to you and, and being on the show. But to your question, what I'm more excited about, I'm really, really excited to see what the community, what the MVPs, what the developers will do with developer mode and this new possibility that we will open. Sometimes I miss being a Power BI developer because believe me, <laughs> I have a ton of ideas <laughs> around this stuff. And a, a lot of, I think that this will open a new world. And even, and, and that's one thing that is very exciting working on the product team is sometimes we build features and uh, uh, with a specific goal and then the community uses the feature in other ways and yeah. of course supported ways to think that hey that's an amazing idea i didn't thought on that and this will open a massive new world of opportunities and i'm really excited to see what the community will will do with this awesome thanks a lot Matt. all right well we will let you go with that john any last words uh, no, you, you got me right. I'm kind of speechless at this point. I have to run off and you know play with it some more. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get it on a plane, but that's another story. So, oh, all right. <laughs> I'm very, very excited about this, if you couldn't already tell. So thanks so much for coming on and talking to us about it. Really. 
All Thank right, you. guys. Thanks so much, Rui. Talk to you again soon, buddy. Bye, right. Bye, John. Thanks for listening to the Bifocal Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or via your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter at Bifocal Show. The show notes for this and all of the Bifocal Podcasts can be found on the Bifocal.show blog. The music for the Bifocal Podcast is Indie Rock by Scott Holmes and is shared under Creative Commons. 